50 Reasons to Visit Ireland. My name's Caitlin, and I spent a semester in Ireland. And my name is Joe, and I spent the first 22 years of my life in Ireland, and we both currently work at Crystal Travel and Tours in Boston. We're breaking down many things that make Ireland such a spectacular destination. It's an overused phrase, but there really is something for everyone there. We intend to prove that. We have various themes we'll focus on, and within those themes, we'll count from 1 all the way through to 50. Our current theme is Ireland's history of immigration, and today, reason number 9 is St. Patrick's Day, which is coming up very, very, very soon. I got too excited before you even said what it was. Well, I couldn't contain my, I feel my like, emotions. I feel like you could guess what it is if you weren't. I think we said I mean, last week. if you listen anyway, to episode so. 8, uh, you would know. Yeah, we did say it, so it's... Uh, if you didn't yeah. listen to episode 8, uh, pause, stop, hold the phone. Rewind. Rewind. Go back. There you go. Um, yeah, St. Patrick's Day to me in Ireland never really represented anything other than my national holiday, I guess. But since since coming over to New England, because of the way the winter is and the weather is, I've noticed that it means different things to a lot of different people. For younger people, college-age people, and people who are still (laughs) trying to hold on to their youth, it's a real good excuse to go out and get Mm -hmm. shit-faced. But for older people, or not even older people, could be people my age and up, it's a sign that spring is coming and the whole color green and the weather kind of hopefully starts to change and become spring a little bit. Thought. It, it's something I've, I just I've noticed. I think it was one day because I was in the, I was going to my mother-in-law's in Wakefield and there's a really nice lake there that people tend to walk around. And one of the, the Paddy's days, there it was just quite nice weather. Mm. And every single person that was walking the lake, because people come from all around to walk the lake, they were all wearing green. And it was just, it seemed like a sign to me that they're like, okay, winter is over. We can, we can get on with this and move on. So. Well, there you have it. With that, we are going to move on to our Immigration Nation Appreciation Station. Wow, I like um, it. Segment. And this one is a little bit different. I'm actually going to take... I don't want... (laughs) Actually, no, this one isn't really one to guess, so I'm not going to bother. It's a little different to what we've done the last couple of weeks, but it is also still interesting. So, St. Patrick's story is not as romantic or as nice as people would like to think, and we will be getting into this a little bit more later. Mm -hmm. But... There was a guy, or possibly there was a guy, because this is so long ago, it's hard to know if this person existed or if he didn't exist or what century he even fully existed in. But there are historians out there that say a guy by the name of Nile of the Nine Hostages ruled um, much of Ulster, I think, in the either 4th or 5th or sometimes even 6th century, depending on who you listen to. And there is one particular account that says that he went raiding a lot, hence the name Nile of the Nine Hostages. He raided in England and whatever, took a lot of slaves with him and brought them back to Ireland. And without, I'll give it a bit away, but we'll get into an explanation a little bit later, I think. One of those slaves, it is claimed, was St. Patrick and his sister's. And I'll leave you on the cliffhanger there (laughs) of that part. But anyway, Nile of the Nine Hostages, it is also claimed, has two to three million descendants in the world right now. Because I guess he was not only prolific on the battlefield or elsewhere, he was also (laughs) not too bad between the sheets, I guess. Quite the ladies' man. (laughs) um, Yeah, a lot of sons, and his sons had a lot of sons, and from there, on and on it goes. Wow. So the name O'Neill comes from the Irish Uenail, which means son of Nile. And he is the Nile that you talk about. And I can't actually, I'm not even going to look up the percentages, but there's a lot, a lot of percentages of this many, this many people in Ulster are related to him and 2% of all New York men are are related to him, <laughs> which was interesting. 
Um, but based on famous people who may be descendants of Night of the Nine Hostages, oh. there are a couple from two very, very different sides of the political divide, both with the same first name. First one is Bill O'Reilly, who's the Fox News guy and a firm uh, Republican. And another one is Bill Maher, who is oh. on the complete other side, who is uh, very much a liberal and... Uh, does not believe in anything Bill O'Reilly believes in. So I thought it was a good um, <laughs> a good example of two people who may be descendants of Nile of the Nine Hostages completely and just how... different ends of the spectrum, yeah. And also both in, in the US rather than Ireland, so... Um, I like that. Yeah, I thought that. I ah. thought that was an interesting one to, to come across. Very good, very yeah. good. Now you say O'Neill, and I'm thinking Shaquille O'Neill, which is... Yeah, he, could be. He played for the Celtics for Still a year as well, be. so that was a big one. He was sure, a, sure. Was the big shamrock or something, I think they called him. Okay, all know. right. There you go. Yep. It's interesting how that happens, you know? I mean, that was fifteen to 1,600 years ago, so yeah, anybody Very well could likely. Be. Very well likely, <laughs> so yeah. So, Nile of the Nine Hostages is basically the Genghis Khan of Ireland, because it's claimed, again, that I think it's 25% of everyone in Mongolia or all of Asia or something is descended from Genghis Khan, so... Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So there you go. Well, Joe, uh, moving on from Immigration Nation Station Appreciation. You got it wrong, but anyway, that's fine. <laughs> no, you got it wrong earlier this morning. Immigration Nation Appreciation. <laughs> immigration. We'll just call it. Ugh. Immigration Nation Appreciation Station. Yes. Moving on from that. And touching on what you said earlier about St. Patrick, do you have more to share with us about his life and his story? No, that's it. Um, we're going to end the podcast here. Yes, I have a lot of history on St. Patrick, and it is very interesting, even if it can't be easily verifiable based on what period of history it came from. But there are a lot of accounts that, you know, back up each other. So I think it should be very interesting. <laughs> so... By all accounts, or by many accounts, St. Patrick was born, St. Patrick, his name was not St. Patrick at the time, <laughs> was born to wealthy parents in Wales. And again, it's it could be anywhere across England or Britain, but in general, people think he was born on the island of Britain somewhere, Wales being the uh, the the one that most people settle on, and is believed to have died on March 17th. And again, that could be... Uh, very much not true. Debatable. But <laughs> that's the reason why why March 17th is his day. His father was a Christian deacon, but it was more for tax incentive reasons at the time. And his family wasn't actually particularly religious. When he was 16, 15, 16, 14, again, you hear different ages all the time, he was taken by a group of Irish raiders who were attacking his family's estate. And again, this could have been the man who was known as Knight of the Nine Hostages, but there's no way of actually knowing that. And it's believed he was taken to either Mount Slemish in County Antrim or somewhere near Kong in County Mayo. So he was held in captivity for six years. And during that time, or during his time as a slave, he worked as a shepherd and eventually he turned to religion for strength and became a devout Christian. When I was in school... For some reason, I'm not sure if it was the way we were taught his history or if this is actually true or not, but we were basically told that he was, you know, a shepherd sounds like a noble kind of profession and you mm -hmm. can imagine him stepping out of his hut and leading his flock to greener pastures. But the way we were told it was he just minded sheep and pigs and he had to eat out of the trough oh that the sheep and pigs would be fed in. Oh, and, you know, That was the image that I had burned into my brain from what I was taught from St. Patrick. And when I was a child, I did take stuff like this too literally. So maybe I'm wrong and misremembering this, but that's the way. Over that's here, the way I remember we just it. wear green, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's believed he began to dream of converting Irish people to Christianity during his time in captivity. And why wouldn't you if you're out in the wild all the time as a slave? After six years as a prisoner, he escaped and he believed God's voice spoke to him in a dream and told him to leave Ireland. To do this, he walked almost 200 miles from County Mayo, if that's where he was, to the Irish coast and escaped to Britain. If he was in Antrim, that's a much, much shorter walk to, to <laughs> get across to, to Britain. 
But then he had a second revelation while he was back in Britain, where an angel came to him in a dream and told him to return to Ireland as a missionary. Not long after that, he began 15 years of religious training, and he was ordained to be a priest. From there, do you have any questions for me yet, Caitlin? Mm, I'm just taking it all in. I'm interested. I'm interested. Because, like I said, in school in America, we just wear green, and we maybe hear a story about a leprechaun or something and that's that's what we the, do the so the real history of our the real yeah. history you you heard it first right there in ohio yep so he was sent to ireland with a dual mission one was to minister to christians already living in ireland and one was to begin to convert non-christians in ireland to christianity ireland was a pagan country mostly at the time they believed in lots of gods and sun gods and uh their kings were gods and whatever else. So he was there to convert them to Christianity. So he's widely credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland, but this is not necessarily true. He's more the uh, the which figurehead is, or the... Which is interesting to me. It might, might be a little disappointing, but at the same time, do you really think that one man <laughs> converted an entire brought, country? You know? Brought one religion. It's, it's a nice way to think of things and it's nice to worship someone for it but apparently yeah there was lots of other missionaries that preceded him that laid the groundwork just kind of enforced it it is it's a little gray area and at the time he arrived there were christians but most of them as i said practiced pagan religion his time as a slave in ireland was beneficial to him um and he was familiar with the irish language and culture and he could incorporate this into his lessons to the Irish people, which did help him in his teachings, obviously, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. would have made the Irish probably a little more receptive to him than some they of the ones who had, him and who had come kinda, before him. Yeah, he could bring it on their level. <clears throat> so why is the color green associated with him? It is not. Signature color of St. Patrick is actually blue. Um, he is seen in old artwork as always wearing a blue colored wardrobe. Do we know why it's blue though? It's just, just, what he, just what he wore. He had a thing for blue, huh? Like, I guess Maybe so, brought yeah. out the color in his eyes. But he was very fashion forward. That's no. exactly it. I bet as, that's what as, it was. As all of these religious figures generally are. <laughs> Have you seen the Pope and how he dresses? Cover, awesome. Cover of Vogue back then, yeah. huh? So supposedly, and again, this could well be bullshit. But he used the three-leaf clover to explain the Holy Trinity to the pagan Irish. I said three-leaf clover there, <laughs> not four-leaf clover. That is an American, I don't even know the word, fiction, made myth. up, myth, made up. <laughs> I've never seen a four-leaf clover. Bullshit or I was so shit. sure I was going to find one during my time over in Ireland and yeah, disappointed. There's, there's disappointed. an estimated 10,000 three-leaf clovers for every four-leaf clover. It's very rare that you will find a four-leaf clover. Hmm. And that is why I guess it's said to be lucky. And the look of the Irish and St. Patrick, it all comes together and blends mm. into the 40th clover being an Irish thing and being St. Patrick's thing, diddly eye, diddly eye. But no, not not really a thing. I actually have a question now, and you may not know the answer. So oh, I'll know the answer. You may not, Joe. I don't know. Do we know how leprechauns got thrown into the mix with all of this with St. Patrick's Day? I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechauns were never a St. Patrick thing either. They're, they are an Irish myth. And again, St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And everything Irish gets thrown in yeah. to St. Patrick's Just Day. Just to celebrate so that's, that's Ireland in how general. how leprechauns came in. They are they're a really, really old legend folktale thing and I don't actually know the history of leprechauns so maybe that's something we shall maybe we'll talk about look it into a little, a little more in the future yeah so I have another question uh because we now know that he didn't necessarily he was not necessarily the sole person to bring Christianity and convert all of Ireland for that did he actually banish the snakes from Ireland as well is that there is a great episode okay there's a lot of great episodes of the Simpsons <laughs> but there is one particular one where I think a bear comes into Springfield at the start and starts going crazy. Um, the whole town goes insane and they set up a bear patrol and there's like, a, you know, special cops that go around looking for bears. And then it shows there's a 
there's a flying thing in a uh, flying thing in the sky, an airplane <laughs> in the One sky that, that flies and surveils the entire town. It's called Bear Patrol on it, and then there's satellite in the sky, you know, taking mapping images to make sure there's no bears, and then the taxes go up for that reason. But anyway, <laughs> Lisa has a thing where she's like. That's specious reasoning, Dad. I could say that this rock uh, keeps tigers away. And Homer goes, hmm, I'd like to buy your rock, Lisa. <laughs> so anyway, okay. there was no snakes in Ireland is the answer. So no, he did not banish the snakes in Ireland. But snakes may be a figurative reference. And it could refer to the pagan beliefs in Ireland. Okay, okay. And by banishing the snakes, i.e. the pagans from Ireland, or converting them to Christianity, that is how he may have banished the snakes from Ireland. So, yeah. So maybe don't take it so literally, right, everybody? Possibly. (laughs) More info that you may not know. Oh, oh. St. Patrick's Patrick's Day was a dry holiday in Ireland until 1970. What? And it is still not as highly celebrated as I have seen it celebrated over here (laughs) with the amount of alcohol consumption, etc. People do go out, people enjoy themselves, but there is other stuff that goes on. You have parades and you have other stuff, but there's, you know, little town parades and people will go for Mm -hmm. a few drinks afterwards and whatever. Um, but outside of college students, it's not that big a drinking day. It's one of the big things that happens that day is the club All Ireland finals are on. Um, it's where some of the small local parishes who have played each other in the county at the county level, the county champions then go on to play at the provincial level. So Connacht, Ulster, Munster, Leinster. And then the winners of that go on playing Croke Park in March. And it's a huge, big honor for these club players to play in a club All-Ireland. And it happens on Paddy's Day. I remember. And there's a big thing around that. Yeah, so I remember in 2012, cool. England and Ireland were playing each other. And I was in a pub. Oh, that would have been rugby, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Different, different. Sorry, sorry, that, that's yes. That's okay, but that was, that, was a, that was a huge event. Ireland well. lost, re- and it was I very, very it. sad. Yeah, no, that was a big event. Mm-hmm. Would so, you care to tell us how... Paddy's Day is celebrated today, Caitlin? I will break it down for you, Joe. So, more than 80 million people celebrate St. Patrick's Day each year. Uh, The day itself has become more of a celebration of Irish culture and heritage worldwide. More so that stuff than St. Patrick himself, but obviously he's included. As the saying goes, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. It's widely celebrated, of course, by those of Irish descent in places like Britain, Canada, the U.S., even so far south as Argentina, Australia, and New Zealand. So all over the world. Because of all the immigration. Because of all the O'Neills, right? All over the world. We all know celebrations include things like parades, festivals, pub crawls. People deck themselves out in green clothing and often shamrocks on their face, as I may have mentioned in several podcast episodes uh, way back in the day. It's a public holiday in the Republic, Northern Ireland, Newfoundland, Labrador, and Montserrat. And I'm going to stop you there, Caitlin, (laughs) because do you know anything about Montserrat? Can't say that I do. Montserrat is, I believe, an island in the Caribbean, Caribbean, whatever you want to say, and it's filled with... People of with colored skin with Irish accents. And it's just so odd to he- see them but hear them speak. And the reason why they have Irish accents is a lot of Irish slaves were sent to places like Montserrat. Wow. Montserrat being one of the main ones as slaves, I, I don't even know when, probably a couple of hundred years ago. And they just overtook the place and started marrying the locals and now it's they have it's kind of a bastardized Irish accent that they've got but it's blatantly still a very strong Irish accent so that's why it's a national holiday there is based on its history of Ireland it's the the what's it the Emerald Isle of the Caribbean I think they call it Um, never hear about it never yeah, it's, uh, Except in 50 it's very interesting. Podcast. The Caribbean Irish, the other Emerald Isle. And I wish Paddy isn't in today. I wish he was in today because he has actually been there and has seen it. And he oh. 
finds it very funny. So maybe also, we'll do a, a little follow up on he that. He also enjoys listening to us um, in the other room because we close the door and we, we try to have silence in here. And he also gets a kick out of that. So he's missing out on, on two separate things today. Yes. Uh, sorry, Patty. Well, that's interesting. Another thing that you may not know. Uh, I know everything about Patty's Day. Actually, don't. Because I asked you about leprechauns and you didn't know. <laughs> that's, that's, so... nothing, that's nothing to do with Patty's Day. Go on. <laughs> well, uh, as we know, a great amount of corned beef and cabbage are widely consumed in America. And everyone but, in Ireland loves corned beef and cabbage. But let's debunk that right now. Many people in Ireland have never even eaten corned beef. In fact, I never saw it on a menu out there. My I, whole, I, I'm shocked because my I, whole I lived there for out there. years. No. <laughs> I can tell you the history of corned beef and cabbage, believe it or not. Oh, break yeah. it down, break it down. Um, so Let's there go. is there is a reason behind it. So bacon and cabbage is the big thing that Irish people bacon. eat. And when you think bacon, don't think bacon, think more baked ham kind of. Mm. Except it's boiled ham. Okay. Is what it is. But when Strange. the Irish moved over here first, as in when they emigrated and they had nothing to live on, they could not afford bacon or ham or whatever right. you want to call it. Sure. And corned beef was cheaper, a cheaper alternative. So that is where the corned beef comes from. It is an Irish American thing. It's not at all an Irish thing. Hmm. So that's that's how that happened and it just kind of stuck here then and weird. You know, weird. About it. Yeah. Weird. Well aside from celebrating uh in those ways with the typical parade, festival, pub crawls, all that kind of stuff. There's also Irish religious acknowledgement. Christians, of course, attend church services. Lenten restrictions, on another note, of eating and drinking alcohol are supposedly <laughs> lifted on this day. And Joe's laughing, so he may have something to add to this, but it's debatable. Some say it's cheating, uh, but that's why everybody goes crazy, yeah, as they it's, say. It's definitely cheating, but I don't really hold to Lenten <laughs> vows anyway. So Depends on how it, seriously it you take really it, huh? Me, but yeah, I'm sure the ones who take it seriously don't. Well, so. I know something that you do take seriously. The debate between... <laughs> I'm not sure I can stay in the room for this one. <laughs> the debate between Patty's Day with, with two Ds and Patty's Day with two Ts. So you say, the, you say them the same. Patty, you know why? Because Americans say their Ts with the D sound. I know, which, which makes it... I never noticed that until More I went to Europe. Goddamn annoying! To I me. never noticed that, and then I actually my Austrian friend, who I I don't know if I mentioned her last <laughs> podcast or not. I may have. Hello, Anna. My Austrian friend pointed that out to me, and she said, "Yes, oh, you Americans, you just you say the d instead of t." Yeah, you soften the t. Yeah, we do. We do. I don't know if it's really, a lazy thing. It's infuriating, <laughs> especially in this case. I will say, having worked here, I've started saying my t's a lot more. I've, I've noticed Patty. in conversation, putty. Patty. Patty. Patty and Patty. Yes. Tell us things. Totally different things. Okay. <laughs> I understand, America, where you come from when you mention the word Patty's Day. And you say, yeah, Patty's Day. <laughs> no. Please stop. Big no. Okay. Patty's Day is how it goes. P-A-D-D-Y. And the reason why it is Patty's Day is because... St. Patrick in Irish would be Nave Porrick or Podrick, spelt P-A with a little accent on top of father, P-A-D-R-A-I-G. Which is fascinating okay. to me. Or Porrick or Podrick, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And that's where the root of the word Paddy comes from, which is short for Patrick. Patty is Patty Mayonnaise on the cartoon Doug that I used to watch as a child. <laughs> Worth celebrating in her Patty own Patty is something that you put on a barbecue during summer and you turn it and then you put it between a <laughs> bun and put some ketchup on it. Patty is not an Irish Saints Day. It's not the national holiday of Ireland. Having said that, Patty's Day and Patty's Day are two very different things in the way they are celebrated because I feel like most people who call it Patty's Day go out in Boston and get shit-faced drunk and drink Irish car bombs and talk about leprechauns and do all that. As, as we said earlier this week. semi-racist stuff. Hashtag that, amateur hour, basically, we, yeah, right? Yeah, so, and speaking of which, I will be attending my own amateur hour in Savannah, Georgia, but I'll talk about that <laughs> later. But yeah, that's my little Patty's versus Patty's segment, and I'm going to 
leave it there. All right. For well, now. <laughs> I think you, I think the lesson, we're, we're going to let that set in with everybody, right? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let them grasp that, take it in, and hopefully the movement will slowly the, but surely the, continue. The worst part is I have more and more American, American friends now, and I post this every year around Patty's Day. <laughs> and they and still... the next day, oh, it's celebrating Patty's Day and they're wearing their green dresses. Now, do, you correct correct them? And, no, do you correct I, them? Do you correct them? See, I would I, want I to. I can't. I would I, love I to. I feel like you would. I, I feel like the Joe that I know would be messaging them, <laughs> calling them up, sending them that Depends article. Depends on the level of friendship, I guess. <laughs> so let's say that you want to celebrate in Ireland. Well, for me... The place that I have my own experience from would be Dublin in 2012. I feel there's no place better. Joe may have other opinions on this, but I myself went to the parade. It was very fun. It was not quite what I thought it would be, though. You think, based on the American versions of the parade, oh, there's going to be people dressed up as leprechauns, and they're going to play, they're going to play Irish music all the time, and they're going to have all these shamrocks everywhere, and they did to an extent. But in 2012, they had a theme that was, um, I believe it was arts and science. It was, it was a lot of, there was a lot of science emphasis. And so it was a little bit odd, a little bit strange, definitely worth going to, I will say. But like you said, it's bigger in America than, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's awesome in Dublin. It was a bucket list thing. I think everybody should do it at least once in their life. That's my view. I don't know about yours, but it was not quite what I was thinking it would be. However, that said... Dublin, the Temple Bar, if you really want your iconic Dublin things to do. Did you go to Temple Bar on Paddy's Day? Listen, I tried. (laughs) I tried. I set foot in, and after the parade, there's a mad dash where everybody is just making beelines, which is great, but if you don't know where the hell you're going, you have a bit of a problem. So we actually went to a McDonald's because it was the first place we could get into. We were hungry. We wanted to to stock up on on food before we went and just got shit-faced, so we went to McDonald's, got shamrock shakes. I was just going to ask. I'm I'm surprised they even do them there. Oh, dear God. I thought that was an American thing. Well, McDonald's is American. They do. They do. And then we tried to go to the temple bar. We could barely even set two feet in. And we were like, can I? Uh, I was going to say F it, but I can't. I bleeped you out. I bleeped you out in the last episode. Did you? I got bleeped out. Pretty exciting. I'm kind of excited. I have to message your mother. (laughs) What if we had a client out in the room? Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Anyways, okay. <laughs> don't mind me, everybody. Uh, we have a sales team in the other room, so that's why that's why I said client, in case you don't know. Anywho, so yes, yeah, so we tried to get to the Temple Bar, couldn't, and then we went to, I believe it was Baker's Pub, this little hole in the wall, never heard of it. It was the best time ever. So fun. And you want to know something else? No. Yes. They might. They might want to know. <laughs> yes. So because I was in Dublin... I was super excited and I wanted to savor the moment. And so I might have stolen a glass oh. after I drank from it because wow. there were millions of glasses all over and no one is going to know. And so it's like my favorite souvenir from Ireland of all time. What sort of glass is it? It's Guinness glass. Actually, okay, of course. Fine. Before they got the new the new look. It was right before they oh, changed it. So it might be worth something one day. You never mm, know. No. Yes. I, I have like a ton of them. But it's stashed all over the world. <laughs> okay, fine. So, yeah. All right, moving on from Dublin, Down Patrick is another fun place where people go to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. It's the area where St. Patrick is said to be buried. Thousands of people participated in its week-long St. Patrick's Day festival just last year alone. You've got floats, bands, performers, everything you want to see in a parade and a festival. And thousands of people attend to watch said parade as well. And if you're in the burial place of St. Patrick. Another area is Dripsy, which is right outside of Cork. And this is kind of fun. Joe may already know about this. This is very Irish. It is the shortest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world. It lasts only 100 yards and... Very Irish. It travels between the villages to pubs. So pub one, pub two, boom, there you go. And there is probably nothing else in that village. I've never been to Dripsy, but I (laughs) I assume it is just two pubs with some houses Mm, around us. You know, I mean, short and sweet and drink away. There you go. I have never been to the Dublin Paddy's Day Parade. I walked through it one time to get to Croke Park to see the All-Ireland Club finals that I was talking about earlier. You walked through it. 
it. Yeah, I was just like, get out of my way. I need to go see the football and hurling. <laughs> so, priorities, yeah, priorities. I, I have been to the one in Galway a couple of times. It is fun and it's nice atmosphere mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. But you said Dublin is the best place in the world to be on Paddy's Day. I would like to put my two cents in. Do it. For the Spanish Arch in Galway, if Paddy's Day is a nice day with nice weather, mm-hmm. you cannot beat it. Really? You're technically not allowed to drink outside in Ireland, but if you go to the Spanish Arch on Paddy's Day and it's nice, there you will be allowed. hundreds of people there and <laughs> nobody is going to be stopping you. So uh, a lot of fun good down stuff. there. Really, really nice. Good stuff. Well, much of St. Patrick's legacy is seen today through key sites of what is referred to as St. Patrick's Trail. Ooh, creative name for it, right? One destination you may want to check out, should you ever go to Ireland, which I say you should, is Armagh, a.k.a. St. Patrick's City. Do you have something? Oh, okay. Yeah. Joe, Joe's in mid-yawn here, but I thought he was opening his mouth to say something and, and protest against this or, nope. or give me his two cents. <laughs> Armagh is considered to be Ireland's spiritual capital, It's the oldest and most venerated of Irish cities with a long Christian heritage. St. Patrick founded his chief church on the Hill of Armagh, where the Church of Ireland Cathedral currently stands. And while you're in the area, you can check out the Armagh County Museum, which offers an in-depth look at the early Christian period with exhibitions and archaeological finds. Have you been to Armagh before, Joe? I have been through Armagh. I've through never, Armagh. I've never really stopped there, to Okay, be okay. Another destination is Newry. In Newry, St. Patrick set up a camp uh, not far away from it at a sandy stretch of the Clanry River, I believe is how it's pronounced. He planted a yew tree as a symbol of the growing Christian faith. And with this story in mind, Newry received its name. I'm afraid to pronounce this term, but I'm going to try. Luber Sintrach. Luber Kintrach. Damn it! Not bad. Translates to the yew tree at the head of the strand. Newry is also home to Baganol's Castle. Within its walls, you'll find the Promise Stone. Now, don't get this confused with the Blarney Stone. The Promise Stone is a black speckled granite slab featuring a ringed Latin cross. And unlike the Blarney Stone, which gives you the gift of eloquence... This stone is said to give you the gift of luck if you touch it and you go to you said have to castle. Travel a lot between the two to get both luck and eloquence. If you're, if you're going from Blarney. <laughs> I mean, if you if Newry. you if you're devoted enough, you know. This hey, is true. hey, why not? Why not? Only in Ireland. Uh, one other place on the St. Patrick Trail is Down Patrick. You've got Down Cathedral, the burial place of St. Patrick, as they say. And you've got St. Patrick's Center. This is a great starting point for anyone who wants to learn more about his life. I mean, obviously, we told you everything and anything you could possibly want to know. But let's say you're a fanatic. Well, boom, there you go. St. Patrick's Center in Down Patrick. Takes a look at his legacy in both ancient and modern times. And you'll also get an in-depth look at Irish missionaries as a whole and how Christianity has affected the people of Ireland. To make this less about St. Patrick and more about me, oh, obviously, always. My, my uncle got married in Down Patrick and I was really? pa- I was page boy for his wedding. And his <laughs> wife is from Newry, so there's really? my tie to both well, of the there you go. Two, so, yeah. There we have it. You also have Krogh Patrick. This is a mountain that St. Patrick allegedly fasted on for 40 days during Lenten uh, back in 441 AD, back in the day, you know. It's five miles from Westport, so say you're visiting Westport and want to check it out. And it soars majestically above the surrounding countryside. This is a regular spot for pilgrimages, Joe. Uh, Each year, on the last Sunday in July, thousands of devotees from all over the world visit the mountain to honor St. Patrick, and some actually climb it barefoot, which is devotion. I have come back down it mostly barefoot, which was actually quite nice. I've climbed it three or four times. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Um, It's it's a tough... Well, the last time I climbed it, I found it the toughest, to be honest. I I guess I must be getting older (laughs) in my my late 20s at the moment. Oh, Um, God. Yeah, I found it really tough the last time, but... (laughs) Of course, there was six-year-old children and 75-year-old women passing me out on the way up as well. I was just like, oh, I'll get you yet. The worst. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be St. Patrick's Day without talking more about Dublin, right? So we've got St. Patrick's Cathedral. This was founded in 1191, and it's also referred to as the National Cathedral for the Church of Ireland. 
St. Patrick himself baptized Christian converts nearby its location some 1,500 years ago, and it's been a place for spiritual encounters for generations. You can take a tour and discover its rich history from the times of St. Patrick's all the way to the present. But let's take a moment here and have some (laughs) pot thoughts. So as someone, and I'm sure Joe can say this as well, having traveled throughout Europe and just anywhere in general, um, as someone who has seen cathedrals throughout the world, one thing I like to keep in mind and remind other people is that while you can definitely tour this cathedral, remember it's an active church. So it has a congregation who regularly attends the services for worship. These are people who take this seriously. They're not just going to take pictures and then go post them on Instagram. They actually want to be there for spiritual purposes. It's important to act accordingly and take note of where you are. And of course, this sounds like common logic and common knowledge, but you'd be surprised at how often you see people taking selfies at inappropriate times or using like flash photography when someone's in prayer. And I hate that. So pot thoughts, don't be that person, be respectful. And I would like to, because I'm more economical with my words than Caitlin, <laughs> Joe's thoughts, don't be a jerk in general. Don't be that's a jerk. All. Don't do that's it. All. That's a thought for life and also for cathedrals. So. Absolutely. You heard it here. You also have Trinity College in Dublin, which is definitely a bucket list, no matter if you're going around St. Patrick's Day or whenever. This is Ireland's leading university, and it's world-renowned for its state-of-the-art, groundbreaking research, and top-notch education. Founded in 1592, it's one of seven ancient universities of Britain and Ireland. And I also have another story to share with you. Of course you do. So before I went to Ireland, one of my dear friends, Amy, went and studied in Florence for a semester before I did, and she spent a week or so in Ireland, especially in Dublin. Mm -hmm. And we had this thing where we wanted to go to Europe at the same time together, and it didn't work out. So we have a photo of her. We planned this out very well, Joe, uh, sort of. Uh, So she visited Trinity College, and she took a photo of herself. And she left enough space so that perhaps... It would look as though I was there if we wanted to superimpose me with her. So there's a photo of her. I think she's holding her arms out or something, and she's, like, super happy because she's at Trinity College. Mm-hmm. And she sent it to me, and she said, okay, your turn. You go. So I went, and I tried very, very sort of, sort of was successful uh, to also pose and make it look like I was sitting right next to her. And to this day, we have merged the photos and it's a little off. The weather's very different, and you've got construction going on, oh, I think, nice. on her end and none on mine. Of course. But there is a photo, we will share it in the show notes, most likely, of Amy and, and myself. And we're, we are in Trinity College together, <laughs> is, is what happened. Um, sure. So, yes. With all that aside, you can take a tour yourself, a guided tour, of the college and the Book of Kells, which is another attraction that I'm about to tell you about. The Book of Kells, in case you did not know, is a 9th century gospel manuscript. It contains the four gospels of the New Testament, and it's Ireland's most famous medieval manuscript in general. It was created in one of St. Columba's monasteries Fun fact. In Ireland. St. Columba is said to be descended from Nile of the Nine Hostages. Really? There you go. Full circle, (laughs) full circle. All right. What really sets the Book of Kells apart are the illustrations. It's one thing to look at a book and take something, you know, from the text itself, but it's a whole other thing when you are in Trinity College, you're taking the tour, you see the Book of Kells, and you just have these absolutely stunning, complex visuals throughout. And of course, they were all done by hand because these are centuries upon centuries ago. Many, oh, sorry. I was <laughs> you were say something. one mistake when you, when the monks were, you know, writing or writing the script, the manuscript, if you make one mistake, that's that page done you have to start sure again. So absolutely it took you years i'm sure mm-hmm. to put it together these know? days it's just an undo click or a delete yeah. button and you're good to go <laughs> you can take a guided tour of the college uh and the book of Kells. the book of Kells, as i said is within trinity college in dublin the exhibit itself is called turning darkness into light and it's housed within trinity college's 18th century old library basically a book lover's dream i've been there i'm assuming you've been there too 
you walk through this magnificent long room, as it's called, which houses 200,000 of the library's oldest books. And it's just, you know, you have this magical ma- mahogany wood everywhere. I feel, like, feel like it's a little Harry Potter. They have these they have of... these ladders because they have rows upon rows upon rows. Oh, it's I'm, beautiful. I'm shocked you didn't make the Harry Potter reference there, to be honest. Because, you know, like <laughs> it the, did the restricted me. section. And seriously, yeah. you are you are right about that. Yeah. And uh, not so much related to St. Patrick, but definitely St. Patrick's Day itself is the Guinness storehouse. Because what's St. Patrick's Day without a pint? Guinness Day, right? Absolutely. A tour of the Guinness storehouse gives you seven floors that bring the rich heritage of Guinness to life. You take a journey all the way from learning about Arthur Guinness and his billion-dollar idea of turning his beer recipe into the brand we talk about today and we all enjoy today. It takes you all the way to 200 years after his groundbreaking idea for the black stuff, as it's called, and we're still honoring that to this day. You also get to have a better idea of the advertising behind the brand. Those iconic images of, you know, the the toucan and the seal bouncing the... uh, pint on their nose or whatever as two people who work in marketing it's dream for us absolutely for us yeah to to get to see the creative aspects of guinness's marketing strategy is pretty cool you can pour your own which is also cool in its own right but the best part listen up is the gravity bar here you get a perfectly poured pint while sitting high above dublin's historic rooftops This gives you a 360-degree view. Uh, Absolutely stunning. You'll want to have your camera to capture some shots of the city's skyline. It's absolutely magnificent. Uh, And even if you're not a Guinness fan, the tour is worth it for this moment alone, I would say. I actually enjoyed pulling my own pint more. Honestly, (laughs) it was was a lot lot of fun. Well, for you, I mean, maybe for an American or Canadian or someone who's been to Ireland or going for the first time. I'm not saying the gravity bar sucks. I'm just saying that I thought that the... (laughs) But pouring it yourself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. So you said you're going to Savannah for St. Patrick's Day, Joe. Yeah, I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? Why are you nervous? I keep asking him. I'm like, are you pumped? I've never had a Paddy's Day out in America. I've never done that. Oh, really? I've also never been in the South properly. I've been to New Orleans um, once, and that was a party. (laughs) But it'll be interesting to go here just for two nights for a quick, long party filled with people who want to be Irish or yeah, think they're Irish. And it'll, yeah. be, it'll, be, it'll be interesting, I Different guess. Different perspective when you're also from it's Ireland, a, I'm It's sure. a bachelor party, so that just oh. adds an extra an extra layer to it. So, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll come back with my even, even. safe for work stories. <laughs> well, Joe, I believe it's time for the Joe's Pros I have a very short one today. And oh, I, was, okay. I was looking at a couple, or I was trying to find... St. Patrick's Day poems, and they're very difficult to find. That's really good ones because a lot of them are just. To me. A lot of them just turn into Irish blessings, basically, is oh, what they are, and it's just okay. not not very good. Sure. But there was one written for NPR that I kind of enjoyed, but it also would make me sound like I did in the Patties versus Patties segment, but all the time <laughs> because it's just some guy bitching about the Irish stereotype and the amateur hour nature of. Paddy's Day in America and stuff like that. Hmm. And it basically ends with not every Italian is Tony Soprano saying basically not every Irish person is an alcoholic. So don't <laughs> don't think that. Absolutely. But I settled on a, on a much different one and it's very short. It's only 12 lines and it's called St. Patrick's Day by Jean Blewett. Here we go. There's an isle, a green isle set in the sea. Here's to the saint that blessed it. And here's to the billows wild and free that for centuries have caressed it. Here's to the day when the men that roam send longing eyes o'er the water. Here's to the land that still spells home to each loyal son and daughter. Here's to old Ireland, fair I ween, with the blue skies stretched above her. Here's to her shamrock, warm and green, and here's to the hearts that love her. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Yeah. I like that a lot. I'm going to write my own next week and pass it off as somebody famous and see if anybody notices. <laughs> you should send that to me later. I'm famous myself. I, there you go. There you go. So right now, I believe it is time for slang. Or shite. It is my turn. I have three different phrases for you, Joe, and I kind of switched it up a little bit going off of what you did, where you have to tell me for two of them if 
they are legit slang or not. And then the one, you have to fill in the blank in the sentence. Okay? Oh, interesting. All right? All right. Okay. She got the 50. This means stood up. Slang or shite. She got the 50. I have never heard of it, so I would say shite, except for the fact I don't think you made it up. But I can't remember. I'm so confused by this section anymore that I don't even know if you're <laughs> making up stuff or anymore. I would say shite. I've never heard it before. Okay. Next one. She got the 50. If, and this is the one that you're finishing, you're, you're filling in the blank, okay. finishing the sentence. If bullshit was music, you'd be a blank. There's a lot of different sayings like this. <laughs> oh, okay. Millionaire. No, it's if, if bullshit was money, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Bullshit, so We're if, talking about music. If bullshit was music. You'd be an artist. I don't know. Okay. All right. Is it artist? Am I finishing first or am I telling you? <laughs> what are we doing? Tell me. You you had you had me wait until the end last time. You were the boss of the segment. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait then. All Hold right. up. One more. Head the holy. Doesn't mean idiotic person. He went to push the door open when the sign read pull. His head was the holy. No, don't know that one either. Shite. Probably true. So, you got... <clears throat> let's see. Are we are we going with shite for sure for the first one? I'm going with the both 50? shite, yeah. Okay. That's actually wrong. It is slang in cork. Oh, that's different. Cork is not part of Ireland, so... Um, <laughs> or let them hear you say that. Yeah, cork and Dublin have, have a huge we'll have rivalry. We'll have to ask Elma that. <laughs> okay. If bullshit was music, you'd be a... Brass bleeding band is what oh, that's fair. Is what that's... I heard, but I, I would say you were close enough. I mean, artists. Yeah, no, there's there could have gone with musician like maybe. I was considering it, but that but was it's too all right. It has to be something. Yeah. And uh, you were right about the last one. The phrase is actually uh, head the ball. Holy, oh. as I as I researched and discovered, means party. So I kind of took party. I kind of switched. I switched some words around to see if I could stump you there. It's head the ball, so head, head the holy. Head, is head the ball is a very Dublin phrase. Very Dublin. Very Dublin. All yeah. right, all right. Well, St. Patrick's <laughs> Day, it works. Yes. In the country, we'd just call it a header. A header. Instead of a head the ball, it'd be a header. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on then. Uh, I don't have Caitlin and Conch open. Uh oh. But that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> Caitlin, egg, Conch. And okay, you have. I am going to move the slide, and you have ten seconds to say what it says. Because the ums and the ahs are just not allowed anymore. Ready, set, go. Be may ag fihant telefis. Not awful. Ooh. Ve may egg fe cinch telefis. Kinch. Kinch. I, I wasn't sure how to spell kinch. I probably should put a oh, K Oh, yeah, because I see cinch, I think, like, <laughs> yeah, C, yeah. Cinco de Mayo, that kind of stuff. Ve may egg fe cinch telefis. Okay. Oh, I have 10 seconds for this too, probably, right? I'll give you like 25. Oh, okay. All right. We need a timer here. This one is, there, there are some words that between the um, phonetic and the Irish, you should be able to figure out a few of the words. Okay. I want to say the last one's telephone. No. Okay. No. You've got the root of the word, right? Television. I was going to say teleport. I didn't just go, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm not helping you out anymore. I've been watching too many science fiction movies. Okay. Wow, that's what you just said there actually is close to. <laughs> it has something to do with... Oh, oh. Yeah. Oof. It's a very short sentence, as you can see. Yes, no, I, I do see that. Uh, <laughs> I want to watch the movie on television, but that's way more words. It's but, close enough. Okay, let's, let's go something like that. I was watching television. That's it? Yeah. So, me. Yeah. Is me or I. Pen. 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 <laughs> Sorry, my chair's squeaking. I'm ready to get a pen right now. Oh, I don't know if I want to use one of those pens. <laughs> There's one right beside you. Thank you. I was watching television. And telefish is obviously television. Tele. You know I'm going to send you on the slides. I right? know, but I'm going to do it now because I'm not going to do it later. Telefish. Mm, whatever. Tell okay. the fish, tell the vision. How's it spelled? T E L E 
F F I S I S. The father and the second I. Yeah. Egg Fakinch is watching. Egg anything means something ing. Egg is usually like the ing to a word. Okay. Okay. In the most simple explanation, and V means what is was? Oh, V. Weird. Okay. And ta- you guys should be ta- taking notes too. Ta would be is then. So V is the past participle. Okay. Okay. All right. All anyway, right. That's far more information than I you quite enjoyed me. that. Yeah, it was, I'm making them easy, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from that, something that you can enjoy, we have Pots and Plans, our tour for the week. It is St. Patrick's Trail. Woohoo! I feel like this was badly named because most of the tours we're using are ones that I made up. So. <laughs> <laughs> it has you flying into and out of Dublin. The highlights of this tour, you get two nights in Belfast. You may get to spend the first day hanging out at Titanic Belfast. Episode 8! Second day, you can check out St. Patrick's Trail, Armagh, Newry, Downpatrick, all those fun little places. See where Joe was page boy at a wedding. See where Joe was page boy, all that jazz. You get two nights in Westport where you have plenty of time to climb and check out Krogue Patrick. And then the last two nights, you're in Dublin where there's plenty to do. First day, you can check out St. Patrick's Cathedral, Trinity College, and the Book of Kells. And then after that, of course, you can go to the Jameson Distillery, Guinness Storehouse, and get your Irish drink on, pretty and much. we always tell people if you're spending two nights in Dublin, you can always drop the car off before you get there and not have to worry about it's it. It's a very walkable city, yes. Yeah, so. Another thing we always tell everybody is if you want to incorporate other destinations, because this is a self-drive tour, you can simply take the car and go where you please. We're happy to throw out more suggestions as well as answer your questions on where else to go. And you can find this and other tours we've talked about on past episodes at crystal-travel.com slash reasons. There you go. And I think that's all we have for you today. Stay tuned for reason number 10 coming out on Monday, March 20th. Joe, if you'd give us a drum roll. Reason 10 is ancestry. Which is taking what we've done already and... Adding a little bit to uh-huh, it, too. Uh-huh. So in case you can't guess, that is going to be the end of that theme. And we're going to yes. move on to another theme Indeed. for episode 11. So. Indeed. We Exciting. hope you all have a very wonderful St. Patrick's Day and that you've learned a little something today. Thank you so much for listening. We want to remind you to visit 50reasonspodcast.com for upcoming episodes and our show notes. You can find us on Facebook at 50 Reasons Podcast. And on Twitter, at 50 Reasons Pod. And please, 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 find us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes, review us on iTunes, tell your friends about us on iTunes. Tell us how entertaining Caitlin is when, when she yes. when she says anything, anything at all. She's fascinating. Good entertaining or bad entertaining. <laughs> all right, everybody. Until next time. So long, yeah.